in what could be considered either the height of optimism or the height of stupidity, the AFL has again announced today that their number one priority is still to hold the grand final this season at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Even though there has been no games played in Victoria for weeks, and in the middle of stage 4 restrictions, it appears unlikely that any will be played in the near future. So today, let's have a look and see if we can work out where sport over the next few months will be played in Australia, and just what the ramifications could be if it was to turn out that way. That's today's discussion point on Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. Hi there everyone and welcome to another episode of Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. It's hard to believe we've made it to episode 4 already, but I guess with the uh, huge audience following I've been able to gather of 7, um, just like to say thanks for dropping by again. With Australia's major sports constantly being required to make changes on the run in order to stay on the field ahead of the threat of the COVID-19 virus, it is making for interesting decisions coming up in regards to the major football codes, as well as the approaching summer, and how its sports will also be affected by these factors. So in this episode, I'll discuss what may lie ahead for all concerned, and maybe even come up with some ideas to help those sports out with their decision-making process. So if you happen to know Gil or Peter or Trevor's number, let them know where they can tune in. Believe it or not, even as recently as today, the AFL has insisted that they are still trying to hold this season's grand final at the MCG. And I don't think I'm alone when I say that this is perhaps the most backward-thinking idea that the AFL has had in a while. With Victoria now closed for business for the foreseeable future, there is next to no chance of footy being played in the state for the remainder of the season. If it is serious about its charter, the AFL must make the call now that this season's grand final will not be taking place at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, no matter what its contract with the Melbourne Cricket Club says. Holding out for a miracle is now beyond belief. Even if by the most amazing circumstances sport could be played in Melbourne in October, there is little to no chance of crowds being allowed to attend. So if this is the case, why would you play it there when there are other options available to hold the game with supporters at least having a chance of being at the game? Not only is it a better spectacle with crowds in the grounds, it is better television, and that is where the vast majority of people will see the grand final anyway, on television. If we take this as fact, as we can expect the AFL to do within a matter of weeks, the case must surely come down to three venues. As much as Sydney would like to think that the SCG or Olympic Stadium at Homebush are capable of hosting the AFL Grand Final, there is still a lingering doubt as to how the COVID-19 virus is likely to play out over the next few months in the country's biggest city. Given the susceptibility that Sydney and New South Wales might face, and it is by no means a certainty, it may be seen as problematic to schedule the grand final in the city, only to have to change that down the track because of a scare. Along with the fact that the city's two AFL franchises, the Swans and the Giants, do not appear to be in the running to appear in this season's finale, though Giants supporters will continue to hold hope, it would be more fitting to have the game played in one of the other capitals, where not only the teams, but the atmosphere could be seen and heard with vitality. 
And this is where some forethought needs to come in. There is a great opportunity to have a finals hub in one major city and have those finals played over four weeks in one venue. Those venues, Perth, Adelaide and Brisbane, also have teams currently residing in the top four of the AFL competition, which would mean there is a high probability that one of these teams could possibly host a home grand final. And wouldn't that be an amazing thing? Having had 30 years of AFL grand finals at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, along with the 100 plus years of VFL grand finals there, with Melbourne-based clubs having the advantage of a home grand final when they've played against interstate opponents. Wouldn't that, in the year of COVID-19, be the best way to celebrate the uniqueness of this season and the format that has had to be adopted to not only get it running, but to keep it flexible enough to continue through the ongoing chaos? Perth's Optus Stadium would have the biggest capacity, 60,000 when full, and a spectator base that would turn up whomever is playing. Adelaide Oval is the next largest with 50,000, while the Gabba's capacity of around 40 to 45,000 is still large enough to create enough noise. One of the things that will need to be considered is the amount of traffic that the ground will have to weather, especially given that all three of these grounds are cricket grounds. With the footy season eating into the cricket season this year, it means that there will be less time to prepare these grounds for the change of sports, and making sure the outfield and wicket square is in tip-top condition for the upcoming summer has to be part of the thinking. With this in mind, having all nine finals matches played at the same venue is probably not something any of them could withstand with the proximity of the cricket test series against India right on the doorstep. No doubt the final series... Sorry, I'll try that again. No doubt the final series could be split between these two, two of these three venues, or even all three, with one of them taking on the big game itself. Or, maybe the best option available is to indeed base all eight finals teams in southeast Queensland, and split those nine finals matches between the Gabba and Metricon Stadium, just down the road on the Gold Coast. Given both grounds are reasonably close to each other, there would not need to be a lot of movement of teams and personnel as the final series gets closer to the finish line. It would also allow Metricon to carry a burden of not overutilising the Gabba. And while the Gabba would still be the better ground chosen to host the grand final, the preparation of the ground for the India Cricket Test could still be intertwined with this. In many ways, this may well be the win-win situation for the AFL. And perhaps even more so, if cricket goes a different route, as I'll explain a little later in the podcast. Is there any reason why Brisbane should not host the grand final this season? Not on the face of it. Sure, Adelaide and Perth will claim to have better credentials and be a more focused Australian rules epicentre than the more rugby league-centric Brisbane. But Queensland has been one of the saviours of sport in 2020 and has allowed teams to be based in their state and have crowds return to watch. As well as being a three-time Premier between 2001 and 2003, allowing Brisbane to host the Grand Final can only be beneficial to the state growing its Australian rules base. In the long run, it will not matter where the Grand Final is played, because, as with any sport, 
the crowd attending the game will be a fraction of the number who are watching it live on TV. It would surely be better to make it more accessible for the players and teams, with less travel and more comfort, than switching finals matches between cities in an environment where it still feels uncomfortable in travelling. To me, the Gabba Metricon solution seems like the best option. The reality is that this will be the only season going forward for many years that another city apart from Melbourne will be able to host the AFL Grand Final. It is an amazing opportunity to show that this game does not have to be centred at the MCG, and instead, like American football, could be moved around on an annual basis. If nothing else, wouldn't that be a terrific step forward and a great outcome from a season that in many ways will be largely forgotten and marked with that abysmal asterisk in the years to come? With the BCCI beginning to flex its muscle again, now that cricket is making its slow return to the playing field, one can only wonder just how the Australian summer will measure up. With the postponement, or possible cancellation, of the T20 World Cup men's tournament that was to take place in October and November, the Indian board has jumped in and not only claimed those dates for its own IPL competition, but also cast a cloud over the playing schedule already announced by Cricket Australia for the pre-Christmas dates. But before we move on, it's worth just highlighting this. The schedule set out for the Indian Premier League is the longest ever, with the final match set down for November 10th. So it will take up the entire start of the Australian domestic season, meaning that it is likely that all 17 Australians who are involved in the IPL will miss all of the Shield matches scheduled for that period, as well as those domestic one-day games. That's a lot of players to drag out of six domestic teams at the start of a season something that will annoy Australian cricket authorities. On the other hand, though, that many players would have been unavailable anyway if the T20 World Cup had gone ahead, as they would have been a part of Australia's squad. So in reality, there is no change to the status quo, something to keep in mind when when those inevitable arguments occur. What does cause some concern is that those players will more than likely have to undergo a 14-day quarantine period when they return to the country. And that will be problematic when it comes to preparation for the international matches currently scheduled for November and December. Indeed, for Australians to play in the first ever test against Afghanistan starting on November 21, they will have to leave the IPL at least a week prior to its conclusion in order to serve that period, and then be physically and mentally ready to play by that date. The first test against India is currently scheduled to start on December 3rd. The BCCI has already signalled it does not want its players and officials to have to quarantine for 14 days on arrival in Australia, a preemptive position put forward by Saurav Ganguly that can only be seen as either an instruction or a warning to Australian authorities. Given that both the West Indies and Pakistan have spent three weeks in isolation bubbles in England in preparation for their test series, it seems like a fair enough ask for India to be doing a full 14 days as every other person who comes back into Australian borders currently has to do. However, by ensuring the IPL goes until mid-November, India has practically ensured that they will be able to use the excuse that they will not have enough time to properly prepare for a test series if they are forced to be in isolation for this length of time. 
An interesting stalemate looks to be on the cards here, and just how it is sorted out between the boards and authorities will give an insight into what sort of power Indian cricket wields over other cricket nations and their governments. I really hope the test against Afghanistan goes ahead, although with the coming skirmish over quarantine and so forth, it is most likely the match will be postponed in an effort to appease the Indian board. If it does, it will also be a shame if spectators cannot travel from around our nation to see it. It has been a match that has been on my radar since its announcement to make sure that I was in attendance to, to sorry, I was going to be in attendance at. If it does go ahead, it seems unlikely current circumstances will allow that to happen. But how will the season take shape? As discussed earlier, there is the dual problem of Victoria, and in particular Melbourne, looking more unlikely to be in a position to hold any cricket matches, and certainly none with spectators present, and the other problem of the football seasons encroaching well into the cricket season, and how well the international grounds will recover with less time and more traffic having been run on them. The third problem will continue to be COVID-19 pandemic, and what procedure will have to be put in place to ensure not only the safety of players, officials and supporters, but to make sure the series is not interrupted or cancelled due to infection. The ideal situation for Cricket Australia will obviously be to keep it to the schedule which has already been announced, which is to play the tests at Brisbane, Adelaide, Melbourne and Sydney. As with the AFL, the Melbourne Cricket Club will be using their considerable influence to ensure that the MCG retains the Boxing Day test match. But as discussed already, is that a feasible option even this far out from the dates involved? Four and a half months is a long time, but can there be any guarantee that it could go ahead in Melbourne? And with the other sports, if by a miracle it could, would anyone be allowed in to watch? It's a tricky one, and one that is unlikely to have a final answer put out there until well into December, which to be honest, would be poor management if it does occur that way. Right now, you would have to be a serious betting man to believe this year's Boxing Day test will take place in Melbourne, because even if they could play there in an empty stadium, is that preferable to playing it in another venue, in, in another state, in front of a crowd? In case you aren't sure, the answer is an absolute no. Would you like me to give you a few scenarios, just for a laugh? Because I'd like to throw a few out there and see if we can come up with an ideal solution for whatever situation we come up with. The obvious first one is the status quo, where the Indians fly in, quarantine for 5, 7 or 14 days or 15 minutes, and then the tests go ahead in Brisbane, the day-night Adelaide game, Boxing Day Melbourne and New Year's Sydney. Cricket Australia is happy, India's mood will be dependent on whether they win or lose, and no one's nose is out of joint. This one seems both the most likely and yet the least likely. Scenario 2 would see Melbourne being ruled out and with Perth being reinstated as a venue. This would, either, this would require some juggling of the schedule or a fight for the right to hold the Boxing Day test. And none of that would be easy because of the time difference of the grounds and the need, or want, to ensure that there are BBL games played in the evenings after the day's play of the test. This would therefore make it very difficult to have the Boxing Day test played in Perth, as the time difference would mean that, on the East Coast at least, play would not end until 9pm, 
and that would make it unlikely that a BBL game could start that late. It would also make for a rushed relocation to Sydney for the New Year's test, which would not be ideal. This would not be the case if the Boxing Day test was to be played in Adelaide, as the time difference and the length of flight is not as severe. However, if Adelaide did reschedule their test to be on Boxing Day, as being the location of the day-night test, it too would mean play would not finish until about 9.30 or 10 o'clock on the East Coast. Again, not ideal for the BBL. The solution? Well, how about this? The opening test is played at the Gabba, but it is also a day-night test match. Hopefully, this would bring in bigger crowds in Brisbane than has been the case in recent seasons, while retaining Australia's fortress to be retained as the first test of the summer, and still having a day-night test in the schedule. From here, the teams would travel to Perth for the second test, a location that is favourable to Indian audiences back home as the times are close to parity. Then on to Adelaide, who would host the Boxing Day test, though not as a day-night fixture, and then on to Sydney. Could this work? It seems feasible. Melbourne would be livid, but cricket would survive, and hopefully with healthy crowds being allowed to attend. And both of the first two tests would have peak viewing times in the eastern states of mid-afternoon through to the evening. It seems a win-win in most aspects. Scenario 3 is a little more radical and probably unlikely to occur, unless we find ourselves in the middle of an outbreak somewhat like Victorians are now working their way through. If it came to pass that there was a need for isolation hubs, similar to what England, the West Indies and Pakistan have done for their current series in the UK, then there is likely to be a change of thoughts in regards to where and how this series would take place. Given that the accommodation is currently being erected at Adelaide Oval will be complete by the summer, it could easily be one of the hubs available, with all players and entourages being housed on site within their bubble. It would mean that if matches had to be played without spectators, it could be achieved in Adelaide at the Adelaide Oval, and also conceivably down the road at Karen Rolton Oval, which has hosted women's international matches and could surely be upgraded pitch-wise to host a test match under those conditions. Then there is also Perth, which has two test match venues almost back-to-back, with Optus Stadium and the Wacker. Assuming accommodation could be found for the two teams in a suitable place, this could also offer two different venues, and conceivably at least, have four tests played in the one city as well. While this may seem an unlikely necessity right now, it has to be something that is on the table in all discussions in order to cover all possibilities leading up to the summer. I think we all hope that come November we'll all be able to attend some cricket and feel as though a normal type of summer can occur. That isn't guaranteed and any and all situations need to be considered. If that means that traditional holiday venues such as the MCG and the SCG are passed over in favour of other states in the best interest of the games going forward, then in our COVID society surely that is better than not seeing any cricket at all. Rugby League has so far been lucky with its code restart and no doubt they will be pushing forward with their usual finals plans and the main game at Homebush. The A-League restart by pulling all teams into New South Wales has also been a fortunate one, 
but also looks as though it will see out the season as a result. And if anyone has actually noticed that Super Rugby is continuing, but as an Australian-only franchise competition for our teams, then well done to you. Full marks, because I don't think anyone else has. One final observation in regards to sport for the remainder of 2020. The BBL will restart in December, coinciding with the start of the Indian Test Series. It is the earliest start for this competition, and once again we will see a plethora of matches that will then stretch through until February. As forecast last season, there is a massive threat of this overabundance of the shortest format of the game, killing the goose that laid the golden egg. Time will tell how this plays out. One thing that will have to be sorted will be whether or not the two Melbourne franchises are going to be able to play in Victoria at all. As with everything that we have already discussed, Melbourne could well be still a no-go zone well into the cricket season, and that would therefore require both the Stars and the Renegades relocating for some or possibly all of the BBL season. If this does end up being the case, what an opportunity to base themselves somewhere such as Marnica Oval in Canberra, or Coffs Harbour, or at Metricon Stadium on the Gold Coast, or Traeger Park at Alice Springs, or what about North Dalton Park at Ferry Meadow? Anyway, it will be something that those organisations and Cricket Australia may well have to consider not too far down the track. That's all I have for you this week. I hope that once again, I've come up with some ideas and discussion points that may have been worthy of the time you have given up to listen to me, and that maybe they are worth spreading further. Uh, A little share on your own social media, or just mention it to someone close by that uh, it's worth having a listen to, would be gratefully received. And again, if you feel like commenting, please go to anchor.fm forward slash metal cavern and record a message. Until next time, keep turning those leggies and I hope your keeper can take the bales off. Be good.